Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Hey, Life Uncloseted family, it is time once again for you know what it is. It's time for Life Uncloseted, the podcast where we talk about coming out of the closets of our lives, dumping our excuses, facing our fears, and living our life without apologies. And for those of you who've listened for a while, you know that if you would like to explore deeper how to do this, hop on over to rickclemens.com, do the unapologetic life assessment, and let's see if we can't help you out. But enough of that promoting and self-promoting. Let's dive into the show. So it's often interesting, at least for me, to realize that because I'm gay, it is because I am in the station of life that I'm in. And that doesn't because everything was awful or everything was grand or whatever it is, but it's interesting to see that how much of me being a gay man has truly led me to the space in life where I love what I do, the work that I get to do in life. And if somebody had told me that 20 some odd years ago when I came out late in life, I would have said, you're fucking crazy. But there are those moments. And today's guest, we're going to talk a lot about what's come up for him as he's dove into life. He's become very successful, an award-winning entrepreneur in the UK. Yes, we don't discriminate here. Even though COVID's around, we're still letting the UK people come onto our podcasts and everything because we love our UK friends. He does a lot in entrepreneurship, as well as sharing his story about the different things that have gone on in his own gay life that he suddenly realizes, wow, because of who I am and where I am today, it is because me being a gay man. So without further ado, and it's time for me to shut up anyway, let's welcome Jason Connolly to the podcast. Oh, and he's a podcaster too. So it may become the battle of the podcasters here very soon. So welcome, mate. Thank you so much. It's uh, so nice to be on your show and what a beautifully articulated uh, introduction. But yes, I do host the podcast and it's so nice to be this side of the mic. I love yeah, it. isn't it? It is. So, it's such yeah. a different experience sometimes, right? It's like, okay, I don't really have to be thinking too much. I don't have to be too no. focused. But um, but since we brought it up, let's let's get your podcast plugged in here real quick, just so that if anybody's well, interested in listening. it's very different. It's mm-hmm. uh, called the Career Success Podcast. It's for anyone that's basically got an interest in people's life stories. It's a fly-on-the-wall discussion about people's careers and uh, how they've got to where they are. And we have some if you are British, you will know a lot of the people who are on it, some really well-known uh, people. But we also speak to people from the gay community about their stories and how being who are being gay has had an impact on their careers. So it's an interesting spin. It's different, um, but it's it's great and it's uh, very anecdotal. But that's the that's the plug for it. Career Success Podcast. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I love it. And, 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 you know, as a fellow podcaster, I feel like it's really important no matter what the stories are or what the angle is that podcasts are just such an amazing way to, you know, connect with people all over the world and to share ourselves and who we are. So mm. speaking of sharing ourselves, you've had quite the interesting journey um, from being bullied to being on the Metro police to being a magician in Vegas. You've, you've done a lot. Oh, and let's see, 
you even flown, well, what we normally would call the friendly skies, not so friendly these days as people won't mm -hmm. do what they're told to do. But um, a lot of this has truly led you to where you are. It has. I So, so my kind of background and being gay ha has had a massive impact in my career, also to my mental health. It's had um, a massive impact to where I am now. And um Yes, I own uh, a company that's a multi-million pound turnover company, but being gay um, ha has, I think, and just discussing it with you before we started recording, it's kind of a big reason why I think I am where I am. Uh, my background was I, um, I grew up in a very um, unprivileged part of London. It was uh, very rough. Um, and my mum had me when she was 18. We didn't have any money. We moved from um, council accommodation to council accommodation. And um, I always kind of felt growing up that, um, you know, my mum loved me unconditionally. I didn't have a dad um, and, um, you know, a, a mother's love. Uh, my mum would do anything for me and I really protected her growing up. But I went to a school which was um, an all boys school. And I think I knew that I was gay. At, well, it, there's quite a funny story, actually. I used to, when I, I'd have a bit of a boy crush on a girl and, uh, when I was about 12, and then I remember I struck 13 and I started looking at her brother and mm. thinking, I, I don't know what's going on with myself here. I don't mm. know what these feelings are. And I think that, you know, I'm 33 now. And I think that I, it was still kind of in that age where the Internet was a thing. But it yep. was, you know, you would dial up and, you know, you get your mum shouting, stop using the Internet. I'm on the phone. And it <laughs> there wasn't a lot around at that time. Right. And I, you know, um, and I I kind of I, I got bullied at school for being gay. But I, I didn't think at the time that I'd done anything to exude being gay. So it was something that I uh, suppressed and I didn't have anyone that I could kind of talk to. Mm -hmm. And. I was into, like you mentioned um, in your introduction, I perform magic a lot. And uh, I won lots of different awards um, when I was very, very young performing. And then I found myself flying all over the place at 16 years old. And I started to meet people in the kind of um, creative space that I knew was gay and they were openly gay, mm -hmm. but it made me not want to come out as gay even more because yeah. I kind of felt a bit intimidated um, by them. And I think the kind of turning point for me was at 18 years old, um, I started working for Virgin um, Atlantic. And it, it was, and, it, and this is kind of funny really, because I kind of came out and then I went back into the closet later on um, in the police because, it, and I've, I've sort of spoken about this before because you can kind of, every time you start a new job or whatever, it's, it's almost like you're coming out again. Do you, yep. you know, do you, people say, you know, you sort of use gender neutral words and, and stuff like that. But I'll tell the Virgin story. I was sitting at the check-in desk. I just started. And I remember this um, lady coming up to me and she just said to me, Oh, so are you gay then? And I sort of looked at her and thought, how dare you ask such? And she goes, don't worry, dear, they all are around here, you know. And I sort of thought, oh, so, so it, you know, a virgin, I had such a great time. And it really kind of um, brought me out of my shell. And, you know, virgin is all things flamboyant and fabulous. Right. And right. Um, for the first time ever, you know, I kind of thought to myself, well, you know, I, I'm really starting to accept who I am. And and it was fabulous. And 
I, I, I was still performing magic, but I, I stuck at Virgin till I was about 22. And then I, 23 maybe. Um, and then I decided to join the police. I, <laughs> it's a long, long, long story why I decided to join the police, but I thought, mm, I must get a proper job at some point. Mm-hmm. I can't do this forever. Um, you know, being cabin crew isn't a job for forever and it, it does have a kind of expiry date on it. Right. Um, so I joined the police and I remember everything during training was quite good. I did, I wasn't openly gay, but it was so, it's really hard to explain. You kind of go there and it's like, police academy you are on the parade square marching around um, in this really disciplined organization and it it kind of it never came up but because it never came up I thought well I'm not going to now say it because I hadn't said it before and then I deluded to things so I'd started um, not really talking about it and then when I got posted onto Borough I did talk about it and one of my sergeants um used to make comments quite often so I'd walk into uh, the parade room uh, mm. for a briefing before the shift and he'd go oh Jason look at your trousers they're so tight you know I bet you like it like that and there was these comments all the time all the time and it would just become one thing after another thing after another thing and I started getting really um, you know depressed with it and at the time I was actually um, in a relationship with a guy and I was having a real issue at home because um, I, I was actually a victim of um, domestic abuse. And it was it wasn't physical. It was mental. But it was, you know, absolutely exhausting. And um, and the, the problem I had was at work, I was being bullied. So I didn't want to tell my work about it, right. um, it through fear of maybe not being believed. Um, and at home, I would come home to. Um, all sorts of mind games, um, him telling me that, you know, if I go into the police station that night to go to work, um, he would turn up and say that I'd hit him. Um, and I, I felt trapped. I just could not break up with this guy. And I said uh, to my mum at the time, I, said, I honestly don't know what to do. He is dangerous. Mm. Um, and this went on for uh, months and months and months and months and months. And I was living in this I'd come home and not feel safe um, because he was so unpredictable. Some, sometimes, though, and this is, you know, what a lot of abusers do, you know, you, at times right. they make you feel it's you mm-hmm. um, because at times he'd be so loving. And then I'd think, well, maybe I drove him to this um, and stuff like that. So this went on for a long time. And then eventually I, I found the strength to break up with him, broke up with him, and then everything was silent. And I said to Mm. my friend at the time, I said, this is making me nervous. Something is going to happen soon. And and it did. I was in bed at three o'clock in the morning um, one night and um, the police knocked on my door. And I thought, hmm, something's up here. And I got arrested for um, uh, basically a load of um, lies that he'd conspired um, and told the police about, which was all a load of absolute, I'm going to say the word bollocks. Yeah. Um, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, and then I had 18 months of absolute hell being investigated for something I didn't do. But this story, you know, it, 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 you know, I could spend the whole story talking about this story and I want to actually move on to things that are positive. Um, but I, what happened in the end was 
I got found uh, to be innocent um, and I went back to the police and I thought, I can't go back to this job. You know, uh, the organisation that's meant to have protected me from this was the, org- <laughs> you know, it just felt so wrong. It just felt right. like, you know, um, it, it just, I, I just couldn't go back. Um, I, ch- I tried to go back for a few months and I just thought, no, I, I just can't do it. Um, so I, I eventually left. But when I left, I basically had to start my career again. Mm-hmm. because I'd worked my way up in the police a, f- a fair bit. And um, then I thought, well, what can I do? What can I do where, you know, I'm, I'm going to... So what I basically did was I thought, where is a really gay-friendly place where I could potentially have a really colourful, beautiful life right. and move forward? So I decided to move um, to Manchester. And I don't know how much you know about Manchester, but it's very famous for Canal Street and places Mm -hmm. like that. So I moved to Manchester and I had to start again. So I I joined the recruitment industry. And actually what happened to me was when I started my new job, um, he kept sending uh, letters to my employers telling them, you know, that I was this corrupt person. So actually, even for years after the, you know, that happened in the police, he was still um, tormenting me um, through one way or another. And I, I you know, I, I never even wanted to report it because I just thought, you know, no one's ever going to believe me. What's right. the point? Um, and every interaction I'd ever had with the police being gay was, um, you know, not not a pleasant one. So anyway, um, to kind of lead the story onto a more positive note, I, I did build... <laughs> I, I decided that, you know, I need to make it work in this industry. So I, but no one was going to teach me. No one right. was going to teach me at all. So I had to kind of teach myself how to be great in this industry. And I must have listened to, honestly, audiobook after audiobook on psychology, on selling, on the law, because um, I joined a legal recruitment agency and I listened to absolutely um every audiobook that I possibly could and I started to become really really good at recruitment and um I, I do you know what it was was I think people I was so different to what most legal recruiters are most were corporate right. and I was sort of going around the west end of London going oh hi it's Jason and people couldn't forget who I was I was this memorable maybe slightly maybe maybe without even realizing it I was uh, capitalizing on the pink pan I don't know what it was but I found myself building up a client base of all these really interesting quite unusual law firms in the west ends of London that did media work and um, then I started to find all these different lawyers who were gay who I started to really become friends with and it all kind of built from there but what what happened was I was running and I didn't realize at the time I was running and running and running and running to, to try and build something because it was almost the fear of failure was mm-hmm. what drove me to be successful. So I, I, I ran and I ran fast and I had a lot of success in a short amount of time. But what ended up happening was I didn't actually address these terrible things that happened to me um, when I was, it was in this relationship. So I, I ended up suffering from um, psychosis, which, to anyone that has ever heard of it, it or hasn't heard of it, it is the most scariest thing that I could possibly imagine. It's your whole, you think things are happening and it's like hallucinations. Right. And, and you, you think it's so real. You know, I was thinking that all these crazy things were happening 
but weren't happening. Like I even thought Donald Trump had tweeted me once. That's how sick <laughs> I was. Um, and I even thought Lady Gaga had tweeted. Honestly, it's, it's, I'm still even um, trying to fathom what was actually going on at that time now. Um, but that, that, was, that was because I really had um, post-traumatic stress. And right. because I'd been running and running and running and running and running for so many years, to, to build something, I'd never stopped to actually address um, the trauma that I kind of went through. But equally, I don't think if I'd have been through that experience, I would actually be where I am today mm-hmm. in terms of success. And well, But I also think it's interesting, yeah. Jason, that you brought this up around the running, because I don't know that many of us who come out of the closet realize how much either the constant hiding who we are or the running to make sure that nobody ever figures out who we really are is hugely traumatic on our system, mentally, emotionally, physically, because we're so much looking over the shoulder, make sure nobody really knows. Even like in your case, even once you were like accepted in Virgin Atlantic, it's still like, okay, but I, maybe I can be accepted in this area, but I can't be accepted over in this area. And it's such an interesting space. I know for me, I didn't really grasp how much trauma I had put myself through until it was about seven years after I came out of the closet by constantly apologizing to everybody for, okay, yes, I was a shitty husband. Yes, I I married this woman. I knew kind of who I was. I probably knew 100% who I was, but I was in such denial and then I realized how much trauma that was starting to put on me. And I'm not, anybody listening to this, I'm not saying I wasn't a jerk, okay? I, I own that. We've been down this path many, many times on this podcast. But I finally realized how much of that trauma I was in, injecting on myself. And as you were talking about the psychosis, it was really interesting to just listen to that piece of your world because it is a space where suddenly you lose touch with reality. Mm. You're exactly right, because even when I had been accepted in Virgin, I I would go out and you would see homophobia in places. And, you know, I I even remember, so I do have a stepdad, um, and I, I remember him saying one thing which has stuck with me for a long time. My mum, my mum, my mum, honestly, she absolutely loved me. When she found out I was gay, this is the sort of person my mum is. Um, she, she took me to Soho for a night out when I was like 17 years old, hmm. um, which, you know, was certainly an experience. She loves sure. a gay bar, you know, take her to a gay bar and she's in her element. But, you know, I remember my dad saying, you know, they should be blacked out, those sorts of places. Um, you know, gay pride is not something to be celebrated. And that was the kind of uh, environment that I grew up in. I had, um, you know, that in the back of my mind, uh, you know, when I met partners, it, it always kind of, I think you're right in what you're saying, because I would get massive acceptance from Virgin, but then I'd go down the streets of London and see outright homophobia. Yep. I would work for the police that are meant to protect people from discrimination, but then I was being discriminated and bullied myself. I so then I and I was in a situation where I felt trapped because you know I was in this well this is how wrong the situation actually was my line manager at the time in the police and I didn't know because I was naive um, he told me that the only person I could report crime to was him 
which now I look back, but that's a complete load of rubbish. I could yep. report crime to any police officer, but you know, that, that was an abuser. And, um, you know, I think a lot of gay people face abuse and whatever, but you know, I think the world is yes, becoming a better place in some way. Um, but I, I still think there's a long way to go. And I, I, you know, I spoke to someone the other day and they said to me, you know, even coming out at work, it's, you know, like you have to, do, do you speak in gender neutral terms? Do you not? And, right. it, and it's actually exhausting, you know, to always have to put a filter on. Oh, what it's it is very that exhausting. You're kind of saying. I mean, it's constantly, I mean, I, I don't, I don't feel like I put a filter on in many places these days. Cause I'm just like, fuck it. If you don't like me, that's not my concern. But I don't know that people, again, back to the trauma we put on ourselves or that society inherently puts on us to like, okay, I can't be out, you know, and with all the different types of civil unrest and everything there is across the globe these days, I always use the analogy of, you know, honestly, you and I could probably walk down any street in London or the US and just walking down the street unless we're like swishing our ass all over the place. Nobody's going to really know we're gay because we, mm. unless we're just, we're just walking down the street, nobody can make that assumption. So I can only relate to my brothers and sisters of color and anywhere else where there's discrimination to a point, And then I can't simply because the color of their skin starts to change everything. But even in that world, what some people don't realize is the trauma of like, okay, I can walk down the street, nobody knows. But then the moment I have to make the decision, do I say something about myself being gay or do I hold it in? The moment I choose to hold it in is putting stress on my system and stress on my own mental well-being. I agree with you. And I, I also think that, I also think as well that being gay shouldn't even be a thing. Exactly. And I've had people say to me before, oh, don't worry, I've got loads of gay best friends. And, you know, even when someone says that to me, I'm not, you know, rude enough to, uh, you know, kind of correct someone. But even when someone says to me, oh, I, you know, I've always wanted a gay friend. And I, I you know, at, at times <laughs> in my life, I kind of think to myself. Yes, we're like, pick I us off the shelf and yeah. you know, packages up and take us home. <laughs> yeah, it's, and I, I don't think the media does a lot to help this. And right. Um, you know, I think that they, you know, only recently they started to, in I think in the last decade, be positive, um, you know, kind of gay people in the media that don't conform to every gay stereotype. And, you know, I'm not someone who's massively into the gay scene. And actually, I've had a real issue with the gay scene all my life because I've never actually felt accepted by gay people which is kind of crazy. You're gay. You're not accepted by straight people. I've gone through this life of, um, you know, rejection for being gay. And then you go into a, a gay bar and sometimes they're the most, uh, you know, horrible, <laughs> toxic environments. And gay people can be so critical and harsh yes. of other gay people. Um, so, you know, I don't only think there's rejection uh, from you know uh, straight brothers and sisters i also think you know gay people can also turn on their own but you know i i i speak out about things like this now and i'm in a place now where like you rick i don't to particularly give a shit what people think um because you know i'm me i'm not going to change me but it's taken the best part of 10 years being a victim of this 
going through psychosis, um, all of these different things for me to kind of get to this place of real strength. And I only, I think strength is built from experiences and you have to sometimes have these nasty experiences to kind of come out the other side. And I think, you know, the listen I'd maybe like to kind of, uh, you know, leave people with on this is, you know, find a happy place and, you know, don't, it, it can be difficult, but, you know, don't, I, if I could live my time again, then I don't believe in regrets. Would right. I have sheltered away from these things? No, but, you know, I think with age comes life experience and wisdom. And, you know, I, I think people need to, you know, be them true version of themselves. Life is, life is too short and it, you know, you blink and, you know, it flies by. And, you know, I think, you know, people need to find that true happiness. But would I change being gay? No, I wouldn't at all. Would I change a lot of perceptions and the way society is as, as a whole? Yes, I'd absolutely love to. But would I change being gay? No, because you are who you are and you've got to love yourself. I agree 100 percent. I feel like one of the things that happens most in this whole journey so, you know, Jason and I are talking a lot about, you know, how being gay has got us to where we are, the good, the bad, the ugly. But but one of the things that I feel like hinders most people is not embracing, A, the journey of being gay. And I'm, I know some people are going, what do you mean? I, I totally embrace myself. I, I would invite you to really, truly think about that. So Jason just said something that kind of reminded me of how I feel. I'm not overtly like gay, gay, gay. I'm a gay man, but I don't have to be out in the clubs. I don't have to be, you know, doing certain things to consider. I'm just gay. I like men and that's kind of my thing. I embrace that. Now, if you want to go do the club scene and all that stuff, then embrace that. That's who you are. I think each of us needs to embrace who we are, but so many times people don't embrace who they are and then they struggle and puts their own barriers up. It causes the stress. It causes the trauma in their life. So one of the things I'm curious about for you, Jason, as you, you know, kind of come through these closet doors for the number of years that you have, what's something that's really helped you just really own who you are in the gay world? I think coming off of social media was a big um, thing for me. Um, I, I think the moment I, I think coming off of social media really helped me actually, because I started really focusing on me rather than living through the lives of other people. And I, my personal views, and I, you know, I don't want to sort of digress the conversation too much. Um, I, I think people, I think it's addictive. These companies um, have basically gone into the psyche of how humans work and how they feel and how we seek positive endorsement and, they basically made a tool to appeal to every potential anxiety and addictive, um, you know, psychological trait that we have as human beings. So I felt for me, when I came off of social media, I started to find, yeah, and I do use LinkedIn. I'm not going to say I'm not on social media. I use LinkedIn massively, but things like Facebook and uh, Twitter and all these kind of things. The moment I started focusing on me and actually thinking about what will make me actually internally happy, it's not money. I thought it was money. I chased that for years. I had all the handbags and the cool cars and everything like that. And true happiness for me, I think it comes from being fulfilled. Um, and it comes from, um, you know, having love in your life. And I think that, you know, I think, you know, 
What was the original question, Vic? I've gone so much off on a topic. Well, just, about- well, just no, just wait, like something that's helped you really, truly. You're, you're on the right track here. What, yeah. Like what's really caused you to fully embrace yourself as, as a gay man? I, I think to love myself. And I think to, like you said, to just to own, your, you know, yourself and the way you feel. And and it takes a lot being gay. You know, it's it's not easy. You go through this whole thing of feeling different and you're, the outsider and you're this and you're that and growing up and going through this journey. But, you know, if I could have done anything at a younger age, I wish I just found myself beautiful. I wish Mm -hmm. I, you know, had loved myself more and I wish I hadn't listened to all these voices around me. And there's so much voice voices around people. What I've done in life is I've surrounded myself with positive, wholesome, really good people and the older I've got, I've I, I've pushed away the mood hoovers in my life. I don't want the life sucked out of me. And I think to surround yourself with beautiful people, you're going to feel accepted. You're going to feel, um, you know, a sense of warmness inside. And a lot of the time when people are miserable, it's because of the people that you're surrounded with. Yeah. You know, I also don't think just because someone's family, I, I have to spend time with them. You know, exactly. I think I... You know, I, I, I can't, you know, unless my stepdad doesn't listen to this, but I choose not to spend a lot of time with him because he doesn't make me feel good about myself. And, uh, you know, I think I, I think being gay, y- yes, uh, you know, it's it, it's difficult, but I think you've got to find inner beauty and love yourself. And if you can choose to love yourself and it's not something that's easy, you know, we all have hang ups and we all have anxiety. And would I say that? You know, sometimes I look in the mirror and I have an ugly day and I'm like, oh, you know, I don't want to look at this. Um, You know, that happens. But, you know, when people can truly start to love themselves, then other people will fall in love with them. And you've got to have, um, you know, you've got you've got to find yourself beautiful because if you see all the flaws in in yourself and, you know, sometimes you do need to see those in order to improve. But, you know, if, if you start to look at yourself in that way, then you're going to feel fulfilled. But a lot of the time when people feel bad, it's because of the company that they share. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So one last question before we wrap it up here, what do you feel like being gay has done for you to be successful in your business? I think it's given me a huge amount of resilience. I think, you know, going through the process of being bullied at school, going through the process of being bullied in the police, standing up for myself um would i be the the person i am today who has so much inner strength and wisdom and um you know all these life experiences that i've got would i have had those had i been straight i don't think i would have i think being gay has um it's taught me a lot it's taught me to love myself and i think that I, I think being gay has definitely been a massive part of, of my success, but it's been through a lot of negative stories. Don't get me wrong. There's been some real positives. Um, but, you know, I think that being gay is it, without that. It's, it's taught me the art as well of accepting myself, loving myself, understanding who I am. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it's kind of a reoccurring theme throughout my life. And, you know, yep. I do think a lot of it comes from being gay mm-hmm. and having to keep coming out and, actually you know i've got to a place where i i do love myself now but i think how have i got to that place well it's through self-acceptance and it's through this and it's you know all kind of in some way being gay does seem to be the root cause of a lot of this 
but it is because I love the resilience piece because to me, what the things, if I were to say how it's helped me, it's helped me a, like you said, be resilient. It's helped me be open-minded. It's helped me learn to like, I guess, cause my brand is no fears, no excuses, no apologies. It's literally helped me start to live life that way. No fears, no excuses, no apologies. It has. And I think what people need to do, the gay community, and I think is, you know, you go on these apps and the gay community is awful at times. You know, you go on these apps, know this, know that, know this, know that. This is what I like. This is what I like. And we judge so much now on looks and all of these things. We live in a filtered society. And that's why I don't subscribe to these types of things because they don't make me feel good. And I think that, you know, even... Let's look at this in a straight perspective. Look at Tinder, for instance. Swipe left, swipe right, swipe up, swipe. It's, you know, none of these things are going to make you feel truly great about yourself to feel that people are only endorsing you as a human being because of the way you look or this, that, and the other. And I think the moment people maybe pursue, you know, real interest to them, that's where you find good, wholesome people that really align. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people in the gay community. They, they form relationships with one another because of the fact that they're gay. And that's the, um, you know, the kind of common bond. But, it, you know, if you look at the straight kind of counterparts, you wouldn't go, oh, you're a man. Oh, you're a woman. We like the same sex. Let, right. Let's have a conversation. So I think, you know, if people are maybe feeling in a place of isolation and they don't fit in, you know, maybe think, actually, you know, what's the interest and what do I actually like? And maybe you'll find more wholesome people. But, you know, I think when you go onto these apps, you've got to go in with, you know, a bit of a tough skin and think to myself, and someone said something beautiful to me um, uh, a, a few months ago, and they said, it's really about, you know, opening yourself up to what is it you actually want? What's your intentions? Yep. Be honest about your intentions. And you're always going to get, you know, when you go out to the, the mass market, right. you're always going to get a, a level of, you know, people who might be unsavory, but, you know, don't, don't let that, you know, don't let someone else's negativity in life make you feel bad. Right. Because that negativity is, is just them 99% of the time. It's just them projecting out their own stuff on you. And oh, not, not, I mean, not dealing with their own stuff that they need to deal with. So um, it I, is awesome. It, it's a minefield out there, Rick. You've just got to put yourself. It first. is a Give big minefield. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I know I said the word awesome just now, but it's awesome when you can like embrace mm. this insight that you can see this stuff. And it's not that Jason and I like know everything, but, you know, there is something to be said when you start to like embrace, okay, this is how I'm going to show up. I'm going to accept that I'm not going to be for everybody and I'm just going to enjoy being me in the world. And it's one of the hardest things I believe for any of us in the LGBTQ space, simply because we have been told for so long, you can't be who you are. As you start to really embrace, I can be who I want to be. It will diminish those other voices and will start to move the trauma away that we've all learned to deal with. So I think that's a, beautiful way rick to what a lovely message to end the show on i agree i agree <laughs> so um, i love working with a fellow podcast they're like they know how to bring it to a close just like you do so it's oh like, i closed the show for you you it's did that's I what i was waiting for it's like okay when is this bitch gonna close my show for me so um anyway but jason <laughs> so appreciate you man so appreciate you being on we will have every way what's what's a good way for people to reach out to you i know linkedin is one place you mentioned but um 
if people wanted to connect with you, where's the best places to connect? Go to LinkedIn. Um, I, I love messages from people and awesome. I love hearing from people. My surname spelled C-O-N-N-O-L-L-Y. And uh, I, I'm the CEO of JMC Legal Recruitment. You can't miss me because there's a massive big red logo right underneath my photo. But yeah, awesome. please do reach out to me. It'd be lovely to hear. Yeah. Well, and thank you for being here with us and sharing yourself. So thank you. totally appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change your life. In fact, if you really want to change your life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.